I bet Pope Francis, if someone were to ask him, he would try to see Jesus in Miley and Brittany. Miley and Brittany. He's like, can you please find something better to do with your time mm-hmm. than judge them? Right. We are an international podcast, though. We have listeners all over in somewhere in the UK type area. And I'm trying to think where else. That's awesome. I know. Well, hello, internationals. Hello, international listeners. All right. I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we are talking about popes. Do you want to do the warning? Sure. You know, in general, I think a boilerplate warning of oftentimes when talking about the Catholic Church, there'll be all kinds of content warnings Mm -hmm. that probably should be given having to do with maybe abuse, everything from kind of minor emotional abuse to potentially murder. And yeah, who knows? Could be other stuff that comes up too. Oh, that you never know. You never never know. know. Catholicism in the news. In the news. Do you have anything? What have you noticed in the news? So one was about Latin mass. Did you see this? Okay, I only caught the headline. Please educate me. This has to do with popes, but I think this shows kind of how little I even understand all the theology and about popes and things. But essentially, Pope Francis directly reversed a This is from the headline, a signature liturgical decision of Pope Benedict moving to strongly limit the use of the old Latin mass. We have referenced Vatican II several times Mm -hmm. in this podcast, and it came up a bit in my research today as well. But Vatican II essentially happened in the early 60s, and a bunch of changes were made to the church that really made mass and other parts of the church much more accessible to lay people, to non-priests and non-religious. And one of those major changes was that mass used to be entirely in Latin and faced away from the congregation and was kind of a thing that was observed rather than participated in. Mm -hmm. Vatican II changed all that and turned the priest around, had mass in the local language, whatever that is in whatever place it is. Also included lay people in like doing readings and things like that. So some churches though, Pope Benedict apparently made it easier for churches to go back and offer more Latin masses. And it seems like what was happening is there was almost a split in the church where there would be like Latin parishes or like Latin communities within the parish that Mm -hmm. really liked Latin mass. And those also tended to be more politically and theologically conservative groups, Mm -hmm. not always, but so... Pope Francis essentially said, from what I understand, like this is causing a real rift in the church and almost splitting the church into two. And so he limited, he went back on that and said, this was supposed to be something that kind of unified people. And instead it's bringing greater division. So we're going to limit when and how you could do Latin mass. I don't totally understand what the limits are, but I know it's harder now for parishes to offer it and some super conservative catholics are really freaking out about that uh yeah i can (laughs) i can't do the thing i've always done how dare you yeah even though i believe in the pope or something (laughs) like i believe in the pope to a point until the pope tells me i have to do something i don't want to do now i don't believe in it i don't know (laughs) 
Yeah, right. This like infallibility of the Pope until it's something I don't like. Well, and also, which I think we will get into is, you know, the fact that we are in this very unusual situation where Pope Benedict is still living. It's so weird. And he's living in the Vatican with the current Pope. He is? I believe he is. I believe he lives in the Vatican too. Get out. Just wanders around. I don't know what he does. (gasps) I feel like that's got to be so awkward. (laughs) It must be, except that he stepped down like... I mean, he has been quoted as saying he stepped down purposefully because he felt that he no longer could serve and people need to listen to Francis, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. But that, Ooh. yeah, so I think that adds to it because I think there is the this subset of people who are like, we like Latin Mass and this is not the true Pope. Pope Benedict is our true Pope, even though Pope Benedict, it seems, is like, no, 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 I am not your Pope. Right. I want to see that in like sitcom format, like two popes getting like two popes and a pizza place. <laughs> Isn't there a movie though? I almost watched it for this, but then there's a movie called The Two Popes or was it a play that was turned into a movie or something? My uncle's all said I should watch it. Is it about those two? Yeah, I believe oh, so. Never mind. Someone redid it. I doubt it's a sitcom. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I like your like the odd couple, but like the yeah. popes. Yeah. Like they live together, like Ernie and Bert. They sleep in like beds in the same room and stuff. They gotta have dinner every now and yeah. again at least, right? Yeah. No, I wanna see you should write that. Write right. that um pilot. I wanna see Playing it. Playing Euchre at night. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Oh yeah. I'd watch that. I, I looked at the news like today just to see, and all I saw. Sure. Saw two very different things. One was uh, that the church has like a seventy-eight million dollar deficit. Oh, and they said it's because like COVID and people weren't like passing their hat. Right, because people aren't at mass. Do people still put like cash in the little? So, did your churches all have like a basket attached to a pole? Oh yeah, there was one church that passed you to pass the basket yourself. Okay, because that's what the Methodist church that I go to, though I haven't been in a long time in person. They pass a basket and any other like Protestant churches I've been at. The only place I've seen the pole with this, the stick with the basket that feels like standard issue uh-huh. is at Catholic church. I feel like every Catholic church I've been to, they have the same standard issue, stainless steel pole with a mesh basket at the end. And a very old man comes and mm-hmm. holds it. And I, my grandma would always give me the money to put in. And I feel like she did that way too long. Like I went with her, I was like 23 and she was like, here, Annie, you put the money in. Like it was still a treat, you know? You're like, I get to hold the money. <laughs> I remember going to church, I think I was like in my 20s. And I was like, oh, I should put my own money in here. Like I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. I can't put my dad's envelope in. When you realize you're an adult. And this is a decision that you could make. You could put your own money in. Right. And so like I still, I don't know, if I go, sometimes I put it in, but sometimes I just am too torn about everything and I sit there holding my money and don't do anything with it. I don't think I've ever put my own money in the Catholic collection basket. Mm. I always expected somebody to get caught stealing out of that as it got passed around, but it never happened. It just felt like here's all this money. Right. Especially in like middle school. Don't you just imagine somebody doing that? Or like someone probably took like a buck out. Yeah. Yeah. So are like the altar boys, do they have access to it behind the scenes? Who knows? When you went to mass at school, did they do a collection basket? 
No. Children, give us your allowance. No, do we all have money in our pockets? No, I don't even think we had pockets. Yeah, your little skirts didn't have pockets. No. No pockets. No. And then I saw that there's like a priest got outed. Did you see that? So not just a priest. This was my other thing. Oh, tell me more. I think what you're talking about, the same thing. The guy got outed because they found him on Grindr. He's the top administrator of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. He's a bishop and he's... That sounds really important. The top administrator. I mean, so I had very torn feelings about this because the way it was reported, it was reported by some publication. The Pillar? The Pillar, yes, which is a conservative Catholic publication, I believe. And I've seen a lot of things that their quote unquote journalism was very sketchy and that they illegally or they obtained cell phone records. That's how they figured this out. So they pinged somehow that his cell phone was he was going into gay bars and also that he was his location was shared on Grindr. So A, we have no idea this man's sexual history. Lots of people are on dating apps and don't do anything physically with the people they meet. So that that's all possible. And also, like, listen, there are many other churches where a bishop being a gay man would be a non-issue. Literally, you could be on Grindr all you want and also be a pastor. I'm sure there are many pastors on Grindr in the world. I Tons. Have, I, I still, like, I'm like, what? Really? I mean, yeah, that's the reality in lots of churches. And also, the other piece that, for me, initially was, like, very upsetting is that this publication they kept referring to it as sexual misconduct oh but he was just on an app he was just on an app to have consensual sex so the worst that happened as far as we know is he had consensual sex on an app that only allows adults right so to focus on this thing and this idea of oh he needs to be ousted from his position like what do you want to bet These are the same people who have said nothing as priests who have sexually assaulted children have been pushed from parish to parish. You know, it seems there's been an attempt from what I saw to sort of give it the same weight as like a sexual assault or even even a priest like taking advantage of parishioners or something, you know, which is this is not the case. This is like a bishop who is also a gay man and was having sex in a position where he's not supposed to be. Right. Or presumably have, like he was on an app that one uses to find sexual partners. We don't even know if he ever used it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So the only piece of it then that, as far as I know, I don't know of anything of this guy being particularly like anti-LGBT himself, but the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, which this guy is the head of, were one of the very vocal don't give Biden communion groups. Like they were the ones who came out. And I believe he was part of that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You're doing like one of those radio lab episode things to me where I'm like this is what I feel and now I feel this and now I feel this I don't know what to feel Anne I don't know what to feel either I have mostly felt bad for him and then when I considered the Biden piece and that he was part of that which uh for listeners who don't know you know there's been this push by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and other conservative Catholics to say oh Biden shouldn't have a communion because he won't outlaw abortion which I mean I'm pro-choice myself but in general the pigeonholing of this like pro-life thing to only have anything to do with abortion I mean what about like on any are what about legislators who don't support gun control talking about I don't know all these federal executions that he did away with like that's a little pro-life there for you I would say and that is like straight 
out of Catholic doctrine too. The Catholic Church is completely against the death penalty. And like, when's the last time we talked about that? And let's look at politicians, Catholic politicians and their position on the death penalty. And we're not doing that. Did anyone ever try to like take away JFK's communion or he was like just too cool for that? I've never heard of that. If anything, it seems like my understanding is there was panic when he was the president because Catholics are coming. The Catholics are coming. Yes. And the Protestants thought he would just do whatever the Pope said because the Pope is in charge of the Catholics. And if he's a Catholic, he has to do everything the Pope says. It feels like something out of a Shakespeare play. Actually believing that. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I'm going to text you something, an image really fast because it just made me think of this show. So this is from an article. I should prep you. I didn't totally agree with the the tone of the article. But anyway, this is an article from Jezebel, which I don't really read anymore. But it's about Jamie Lynn Spears and Britney Spears. And essentially, you know, the free Britney thing and Jamie Lynn being like, hey, I've been free. I've just been quietly free Britney all the time. And people being like, no, you didn't care enough about your sister. And she's like, no, 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 I've been working behind the scenes. And Britney has kind of hinted like, nah, she hasn't. There's like a social media feud between them which is like awkward that that's like we're all experiencing the feud but here i'm sending this to you i cannot wait to know how this has to do (laughs) (laughs) on sunday morning spears unleashed on instagram post captioned may the peace of the lord be with you and your spirit what i don't know they've been going back and forth with this feud and apparently it was jamie lynn's turn to respond and she said on instagram May the peace of the Lord be with you and your spirit. So I don't think it's specifically a Catholic thing because I imagine it's just like a more general Christian thing, but I don't, what? And Brittany's response is, may the Lord wrap your mean ass up in joy today. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, maybe that's how we should be ending the podcast. That's excellent. And may the Lord wrap your mean ass up in joy. (laughs) I'll take it. Yeah, I'd love to know if other denominations use like and with your spirit i don't know because they're from like louisiana right the south somewhere yeah i don't i feel like that's baptist country not catholic country (laughs) same i mean louisiana has a catholic element specifically but i well yeah marty yeah but i thought i thought like baptist i've always thought yeah did i also am curious if any of our listeners also noticed this or if any other catholics or lapsed catholics (laughs) noticed this weirdo what feels like a a reference a mass reference in the spears feud i want to know what francis thinks about all this it's so (laughs) i'm sure pope francis (laughs) is following the britney spears thing just with rapt attention you never know you never, he spent some time, you know, recuperating in the hospital. Maybe he like got up on his Twitter feed. Maybe he's a Britney fan. We don't know. <gasps> Hashtag save Britney from Francis. <laughs> That's wild. Yes. So all over. It's one of those things, you know, the more we do this podcast now, I see you just see it everywhere. Now mm-hmm. I'm seeing Catholicism everywhere. That's nuts. Okay. Well, I had no idea I was talking about Britney Spears today. So here we are. Wow. It always comes back to Britney. I mean, that so always. You know, the Baby One More Time video is very evocative of Catholic school, though, I have to say. It is Catholic school. I was in Catholic school when I saw that video. <gasps> Not like, I don't think I was in the school, but I remember seeing the video and going to homeroom, looking at the my friend next to me and being like, I saw this weird, this like Britney somebody. She kind of looked like, it was like a Catholic school themed. I feel like she's, I feel like she's going to be big. And you know what? I was right. You said that? <laughs> I did. You were- I knew. I knew. 
You gotta like be, have your own like TMZ. Like you can I, predict the hottest new trends. I think I'm past that point. <laughs> so we're talking popes today. Talking the papacy. Do you have like memories of that? I was like, okay, yes. unlike confession, it feels a little like removed mm-hmm. from us a bit. Do you have any memories of like learning about the Pope or your understanding of who the Pope was as a child? So like growing up as a child of the 80s, I thought two things had been forever. That Ronald Reagan had always been president and John Paul had always been the Pope. It took me forever to learn that that wasn't always the case. Those things are confusing. Yeah. Yes. It's like he, that is the Pope. He is always the Pope and that is the Pope. And then he was like a rock star to people. Yes, absolutely. I mean, people would like faint when they – I was like – so like to have that Pope in my childhood, I was like, okay, he's as like awe-inducing as like Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like people just keeled over. <laughs> or – Yes, yes, which is funny because when I got to my JP the Two research, that is like one of the things I want to discuss is just sort of the fandom. Yeah. But also like I think for me maybe what was confusing and I have some memories of, yes, of John Paul II for sure. We didn't talk about him as much as Jesus, but it just wasn't clear. When I was a very young child, it was like was not clear who was still around and who wasn't. Mm. So like you see pictures of the Pope and you see pictures of Jesus and you see pictures of the saints it's not clear like who is no longer around and who's not. And actually as a child, I used to ask my mom like when a new person, like if there was a new priest or like a new person I didn't recognize on the altar, like several times as a child, apparently I asked like, is that Jesus? Like I kept waiting for him to show up. Like, wait, so is that, is that Jesus? Like when, like where's Jesus? We talk about him all the time. So is this him finally? Is he finally going to make an appearance? That Okay. So yeah, he's like, they're the same person. Or that they're both, they're, yeah, they're just both people whose like pictures are around. Um, so the John Paul II, mm-hmm. yes, like was the Pope. I feel similarly. It's sort of like always the Pope. Didn't really have a context for a long time that there was like a long lineage of Popes. But also the thing that I think I took for granted, I grew up in a Polish Catholic family, at least on my mom's side, at a Polish Catholic parish Oh, where we had a Polish Pope, the first Polish Pope, and he had been to Chicago six years before I was born. So people Mm -hmm. had seen him in person. So he was like revered. And I think also my grandma and my great grandma and that side of the family was deeply devout. Mm-hmm. And they were super Catholic and they were also super Polish and super about Polish stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> all things Polish. It made sense to me that the Pope would be Polish. Like, yeah, I don't know. Polish people love the Catholic Church. I guess I thought maybe most Catholics are Irish or Polish. That was just my the world I lived in. Uh-huh. And I didn't understand till I was an adult, really, what a big deal that must have been for oh, for my family that the Pope was this Polish guy. When I think of Pope John Paul II, I mean, there's, I think there were pictures of him like in church and in the hallway, Mm -hmm. not on the front in the altar or anything, but in a hallway, you know, leading to the bathroom or something. And yeah, on the wall somewhere in Catholic school. And I specifically remember I have an image of my great grandmother's house in her kitchen with her little 1950s kitchen set where I would like (laughs) sit and eat coffee cake and watch I Love Lucy on like a little everything was like from 1952 like a little TV cart in the kitchen with the little 
the very old tube TV. And just above the TV next to the back door, there was a little picture of John Paul II, who just like watched over us as we ate our coffee cake. Always there. Always there. Yeah. Did it get switched out or was your, your grandmother already gone by the time Benedict she came She was already gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm trying to think if my grandma had, I don't know if my grandma had a picture like up on the wall like that. I'm sure she had pictures somewhere of JP the two, but I don't know about the other popes. He was a bigger deal than the other ones. Because of the Polish stuff. Because of the Polish stuff. Yes. Wait, when did he die again? 2005, I think. Yeah. So I was in college. So I was like kind of, I have a feeling if I had been in Catholic school at that time, that would have been a really big deal. And we probably would have watched the funeral on TV and stuff. But I was kind of less aware of it because I was not in right. a place in my life where I was thinking much about it. Yeah, I visited Poland. Oh. I was studying in Eastern Europe and we went to Warsaw and Krakow. And this was in the summer of 2000. And the year 2000 and it was his face was on everything really it was everywhere i believe it it's a big deal okay there yeah but there and it was very much like poland's made it now yeah like we're we've arrived and the whole world has to acknowledge that well that's why i was weirdly and we will get to him later but i was weirdly excited to research him as a pope because i was surprised at a lot of i feel like he sort of encapsulates the things i dislike and also Mm -hmm. the things that draw me back into being interested in the catholic church both and i weirdly i have some exciting there's like weirdly some stuff i was like did the Pope and I have some things in common? This is Ooh. weird. This is weird. Yeah, we'll see. And then my grandma, my dad, for her 90th birthday, he got some like thing signed by the Pope for my grandma. Like oh. A, it's not a papal decree. That's too much, but it was some sort of Sure, like, but some kind of official document or something. Vatican paper, Vatican letterhead, yeah. and it was like, you are blessed or something by the Pope. Oh, did she love it? <laughs> she just took on everyone else's photos and put that up. She, it was the most important thing in the house all of a sudden. Oh my gosh. Very big deal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, it was right next to her chair that she sat in all the times and like right next to the door so you you couldn't miss this papal letter it was amazing do you see the letter from my friend the pope yeah he just he's writing to me i don't know if you like saw that no big deal but other than that i don't feel like i have any personal connections to the pope really i feel like as a lapsed catholic i was somewhat excited when francis became pope because there was a more general sense of him being a more progressive pope and that felt mm-hmm. exciting to me as a young adult who had been raised Catholic, but I don't think much about the Pope outside of He that. was just there, always there. Mm-hmm. God, Santa Claus, Jesus, the Pope, all all of those guys just like- So famous. I think I, I did say to my mom one time, like, why is everybody who's good and important boys? I was like, God, Santa Claus, Jesus, the Pope. That's what I said. I was like, they're all boys. <laughs> And she was like, you know, you're right. She didn't say, what I wish she would have said is like, God is genderless. But you know, we didn't have that theology at that time. We almost still don't. Wait, what's the order? (laughs) God, I don't even know. I mean, God, Jesus, Santa Claus, the Pope. That sounds right. (laughs) Another thing, this is a little sidebar, but at the church I went to, I have not seen this at any other church. I thought this was normal. At the church I attended, St. Thomas More one of the churches I went to, like when I was a really little kid, mm-hmm. that, that was our parish. The front of it is not, there is a picture of St. Thomas More somewhere, 
there's a crucifix, but behind that, or some, I think the crucifix is above it, is a giant mural of like, I think it's supposed to be God, but it kind of looks like either Zeus or like my friend calls it King Triton. <laughs> King Triton from The Little Mermaid. Again, with the, then I wonder why I had this Little Mermaid imagery with confession that I talked about last time. Like giant, giant God with flowing long huge like stories high huge white man with a beard and long hair i think it's god i don't know who else it's supposed to be and he has sort of like a mona lisa face where like i would think as a child that he was either smiling or frowning mm. at me depending on my thoughts during mass you said stories high it's very tall like there's cathedral ceilings and it's like all the way oh. up to the ceiling basically and no one was like, it's kind of weird. We don't normally just have giant images of King Triton God. No. And yet there it was. Still is. It's a great, cool mid-century building, but it's the weirdest mural. Yeah, you don't really ever see. I mean, God in, was in the Sistine Chapel, but that's about it? Yeah, it's like that type of God, but huge. <sighs> and that is, yeah, that's sort of how I pictured God was like a shoulders up <laughs> guy. I thought when you got to heaven, there was this guy shoulders up with a long beard and that was him. And he would like be there. It would be like that mural, but alive. Oh, that's a lot. This is all, it's all bringing <laughs> up a lot of stuff for me. All right. Let's get into popes though. Okay. I think I could have ended up researching this for five years and never come close to really being able to put this succinctly. So I'm going to do my very best. And I mean, the reality is there are people who literally spend their whole lives like writing and researching the history and the theology and all of it. So I would not expect you to have like no. several doctorates in popeology or whatever. It's all nuts. And like every little thread, I was like, well, I've got to go down this rabbit hole for a while. So I'd spend a day. The one thing I think I know is that St. Peter is considered the first pope. Is that correct? Yes-ish. <laughs> Everything is like ish. Catholic school did not prepare me for this, although you would think it would have. Right. Like, so the whole thing with Peter is that in the gospel again like it's catholics pointing to like one part of the gospel and saying like see it's in here and you're like oh that's just like one sentence what are you talking mm -hmm. about so that's the whole thing that he like jesus was like you are my rock peter and upon you i will build the church yes so of course because i'm a word nerd there was a whole thing about how petros means rock so like he what his name was simon and then Jesus changed his name. Simon Peter, right. It's like Saul Paul. Yeah. These name changer guys. Yeah, just crazy. And then like, there's like all of this pulling apart of like, what did he really mean? Like, was it, was it a metaphor or does it like literally build on you this? And that's a lot of what the Protestants were saying. Like, no, it was a metaphor. He wasn't saying you're the Pope now. Basically, he's like, I will build upon you the church. That's in Matthew. So what got me is like I started looking into Peter. I was like, okay, Peter, great. So you're the Pope, which is also the Bishop of Rome. Right. If you knew that. Okay, I thought you might. I didn't super know it. No, I was like, as I was researching this stuff, I saw that and I was like, oh, I think I maybe knew that. I don't know. Okay, so Petros means rock in Aramaic. Okay. Which is basically Syria, where this was, a lot of this was taking place at the time. Got it. So I'm like, okay, well, how did he get to, Ro like, where did Rome happen? <laughs> so I don't, okay, if he's supposed to have built the church in Rome, when did he get all the way over to Italy before, like, planes and cars and stuff? It's like, how did that happen? <laughs> right? Like, I know, okay, so, like, I, we know he went to 
Corinth, which is in Greece. And then at some t- he right. got to Rome and he was like preaching. There was a big group of Christians there. Got it. Yeah. Well, and they were part of the Roman Empire, correct? Yes. And that's the whole okay. thing. Yeah. Jesus didn't want to pay taxes. It's also killed by the state yeah. for being, you know, heretical, but. We don't talk about that in the Catholic Church in those terms. No, can't do that, right? Because then we'd have to look at ourselves. Can't do that. But then, okay, so at some point he got to Rome. He was the first, like, leader of the church. And a lot of people think the reason he was considered the leader is because he was kind of liberal in his views. Like, he was about building bridges toward people. Um, And then – Lo and behold, there was already a huge divide in the church. Okay, do you remember in the first episode you said, okay, Mary was a virgin all the time? Mm -hmm. Apparently, I learned that Jesus had a brother. Isn't there like debate about that though? Some people say he's a cousin. Right. Some people say that's his cousin. But James the Just, also known as the Lord's brother, he was the more conservative people. So some he kind of like took power from Peter pretty quickly Uh. and became everything I read was like he was more in control than Peter ever was. But I never heard of him until I was doing this research. Have you heard of him? No. I wonder if it's because he had we don't talk about Jesus's brother. I guess. I don't know. Uh, Then Peter got crucified upside down in Rome. Oh, I don't even think I knew that. And people like, I think Da Vinci Code types think that means because there's upside down crucifixes, crosses in the Vatican. And some people like point to that as being uh, symbols that the Antichrist is here or Satan. But it's it's mostly (laughs) because... Peter said he didn't deserve the same death Jesus had, so he asked to be crucified upside down. So he didn't have the same death as the Lord. Man, it's the original, like, martyr, martyr. Like, well, if you have to martyr me, don't do it this way. I'm not that much of a martyr. That's how much of a martyr I am. Make it worse. (laughs) Yeah. So he he wasn't around for too, too long (laughs) before that happened. But again, Catholics love, like you said, a martyr. So they're like, oh, no, now that he died that way, we're definitely following him because... Martyr. Yeah. And then there's a couple others. Linus followed him and... Then, who's, okay, Pope Clement was the first apostolic father of the church, and I don't even fully know what it means. No. The first dude that got to be called Pope was this uh, Pope Damascus. Um, That's the first time they used the word Pope. He was Pope from 366 to 384. So, pop quiz, Anne, where does the word Pope come from? Do you know? Is it like father? Yeah, it's Greek for like basically papa. Okay. (laughs) Like, nice dad. Papa. Yeah. Again, I had never, till this moment, ever questioned the word Pope. I'm like, that's just the title. It doesn't come from anywhere. No. The only reason I thought of it just now when you asked is because I have a distinct memory of my friend trying to write a letter to her host family in Italy who she was about to meet. And then she put it in Google Translate to see if, and back to English, (laughs) which didn't work very well at the time. And it said that she lived with her, she lived at home with her mother, her sister, and her Pope. When she had written like Papa, like the word tried to write father and it said that she had said she lived with her pope and i found that very funny well there you have it that's how i knew that's how you do because Google tra- – thank you, Google Translate. Google Translate. Awesome. And then, like, mm. after that, I don't know. How much do you know about, like, Charlemagne? <laughs> oh, sorry, not Charlemagne. Who am I talking about? Um, but, but, but. Yeah, well, Charlemagne's in here in a moment. But basically, like, the Byzantine era. Where they started just spreading Christianity all over the place in 
violent ways. Yeah, that's when they moved part of Rome over to the Byzantine Empire. And then it was in Rome, but not in Rome. And that was like all confusing. That was until like the year 752. And then that's when Charlemagne came in, 756. And Charlemagne, you know, he was like, he spread Christianity everywhere. Him and and Constantine before that. Constantine, yes, is who I often... Yeah, that's the the Byzantine guy. And... That's where things got real political, I think, or like... Exactly. I mean, not that it sounds like it kind of... It clearly was from the beginning. Like we said, Jesus was... Always. ...political. That's why they killed him. But like the idea of Christianity being aligned with the law and people having to conform to Christianity, that's Constantine. Yes. Constantine was like, I'm making it an empire, basically. Now you have to be this. Right. Yes. If I'm in control, he made it like a religious state and then Charlemagne and like he helped Pope Leo Leo was supposed to anoint Charlemagne's son as his heir Pope Leo was going to take Charlemagne's son but like apparently all of a sudden Leo was like no and he just put a crown on Charlemagne's head and was like no now you're the emperor and like I the Pope declare it and like changed the power dynamic in the area. Oh. So yeah, so things are getting very political with the church. Yes, they just like decide they're in charge basically. Right. It's kind of like, I mean, that's what I was thinking of when I was trying to think of what is this similar to? It's kind of like a politician except they're not voted in in any kind of democratic process. So I was like, oh, it's like a it's like the queen. Right. Except you're not supposed to have children when you're the pope. So Right. So it's by, you know, it's the cardinals or the bishops or whatever that choose who it's going to be, but it's supposed to be that God is actually telling them who they should choose. So Right. The idea is that you're chosen by God god through people yes and then the gray smoke comes up when they decided on who right goes from black to white smoke when you've decided okay sorry black and white make gray you got it it was i do it was somewhere (laughs) in there and then after that that was when sort of like the east west schism happened 1054 ad that's when like the eastern orthodox and the roman catholic church sort of like went their separate ways and it has a lot to do with the pope it was about papal primacy and who's got the supreme authority and the orthodox were like "Mm, this pope thing is getting a little out of control and the catholics doubled down on making sure he was like the supreme leader of the church so the pope it is different than other religions right because it's this idea that the pope is he's not just the leader but he has some kind of divine authority through god the closest to heaven of anyone on earth. Uh, yeah, I was trying to think about it. Like, I don't feel like it, the idea is that like he's completely infallible as a human, but kind of like the Pope says something that carries a special kind of weight from God that is almost like similar to the Bible, right? It's similar to the idea of like, oh, the Bible is like God spoke through people to write stuff down, which is all kinds of confusing because it contradicts itself a million times. But also God talks through the Pope. Mm-hmm. So if the Pope says something, that's the... It's God saying something. Yeah, which is like a, a, that's a big weight to carry. It's a lot of power. Right. It's like, sometimes I think about who would want to be president. I'm like, only a crazy person. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, yes, we liked Barack Obama, but like, he's got to also be a little bit crazy. Like, I don't think anyone sane would want that job. It's so much responsibility. I mean, even, right, yes. I mean, if you think of like president, I remember I saw 
Mm-hmm. Oprah interviewed Michelle Obama at the United Center. It was amazing. It was when, you know, her book came out. And she says this in the book is like, she's like, when you read the news in the morning or whatever, it's like, oh, that's horrible. She's like, when I would read the news in the morning, it was like, oh, my husband's in charge of all this. Things. Crazy. This directly impacts me. And yeah, so then the Pope, I mean, the Pope doesn't have a family, which in that case, I feel like, I feel like priests should be allowed to marry. But man, if you're the Pope and you're speaking for God, I'm like, let yeah, you know what? Just put all your energy into that. You got to focus on that. Just- <laughs> Please focus on that. All your time and energy. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? That's so much. It's a lot of it's a lot of power. And then like during all this this middle time, the first few popes I think were very much about the church and building the church. But then it got to be like you needed the approval mm-hmm. of the emperor to elect this person. Like they had to be emperor approved popes for a long time. And that was so like it was the Byzantine Emperor. It was the Frankish Empire. It was all the like they had to get approval from who was in charge to elect these popes and it's like well i mean then who's who's saying what here who where is the god voice in this situation it's god and also politicians but then in royalty it's like they thought they were divined by god so god speaking through royalty it's convenient isn't it to be like well that's god too though right and then came the collapse of the roman empire and oh that this is when like the juicy stuff happens the dark ages for many reasons and then that's really when the church stepped into like power because there was no there's like a power void and so that everyone needed somebody to speak with authority Hmm. and that person started to become the pope in a political way and not just a church way everyone was like using the position so this is when oh my gosh this is like some of my favorite language that came out of this it was so good so first of all have you heard of the have you heard of anti-pope? No. The anti-pope are people who like decide their pope somewhere else. Like they were not elected, but they're like, I'm the Pope now. They're like illegal pretenders to the throne. Oh. And they were just like, Yeah, no, God told me I'm the Pope. Yeah. And like, or you know, this country over there was like, oh, we need to get power away and the real Pope doesn't like our country. So we're going to have another Pope who does like our country. Just making Mm. Popes. Just Popes all over the place. And then this is, okay, this is the best word I've ever seen. I'm not going to pronounce it right, I'm sure. Pornocracy? A pornocracy. How is that spelled? Porn, uh, porno, (laughs) Chrissy. That did not age well. No, the the Mm. pornocracy. It was. It describes this area of the of the popes because there were so many women that were sleeping with popes. Okay, so it did age appropriately. That's what it meant. It meant that exactly. Of course, like all the language I have, it's like the men are always referred to as the Pope and the women are like uh, notorious and courtesans and uh, subversive. And I'm like, they, um, okay. Because the Pope I'm, dude was also like, can we use some other language here for him? Right. Well, I'm. I just googled the word and from ancient Greek, "porne." Sure, female prostitute and government or rule is a government ruled by prostitutes or corrupt officials who metaphorically prostitute themselves for power. The papal pornocracy. Hmm. There's a bunch of papers on it. This one, Paul Bud history. I liked okay. everything the way he put it down. So I have that link. We can put it in the the show notes if anyone wants to read more <laughs> more about the papal yes. pornocracy. What good of alliteration. And there was, there's a whole era, they're called the bad popes. 
and almost sounds like a hip-hop group right like a, a boy band <laughs> the bad popes they're they, the bad popes are like throughout time um one says the worst was alexander the sixth who reigned from 1492 to 1503 he was into as they put it into bribery deceit debauchery and basically anything else Pope John from this era, though, in the Dark Ages, right before the the schism, 955 to 964, Mm -hmm. Pope John the 12th. So it takes me a second to read Roman numerals. Same. I struggled. This is the list of things he did. This is from this document called the Patrologica Latina, the Collected Works of the Church Fathers. This is what it lists this Pope is doing. He fornicated with the widow of Rainier, whoever that is, with Stefana, his father's concubine, with another widow named Anna, and with his own niece. He made a palace into a whorehouse. He went hunting publicly. Also listed on this, he went hunting out in public. Okay, well. He blinded his confessor. What? So the person he confessed to, he killed him. He blinded him and then he died. <laughs> he killed a cardinal after castrating him. Oh my god. He set fires and put and and then put on a helmet. I don't understand what that is in that order. Um he celebrated mass without taking communion. He ordained a deacon. <laughs> Wait. Can I just enjoy for a moment the like ethical <laughs> Like, and and the same breath as though these things carry the same amount of weight, right? Right. Like, we're talking about (laughs) lots of sex that may or may not have been consensual, incest, killing people, castration. He didn't take communion during mass. (gasps) And this is a same level. Same level. Same level. Then we wonder why we're all screwed up when we go to confession. Out of control. It, this is the craziest list. The next one you're going to love. Okay. He ordained a deacon, Anne, uh-huh. in a horse stable. <laughs> Can't do that. No. He got paid to ordain bishops. People paid to become bishops, but that's not surprising. Sure. This is no. a good one. He ordained a 10-year-old bishop in the city of Todi, <laughs> T-O-D-I. A 10-year-old bishop actually sounds adorable. I, I bet the little, little costume looks so cute on the him. The hat probably kept falling over his eyes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got the last three are, are just too good. They're just too good. Okay. Um, many clerics declared that he toasted to the devil with wine. <laughs> I've probably done that after a few drinks, you know. To the devil. Oh, my God. When he played dice, so it's not that he played dice. That's not in here. But it's while playing dice, he invoked Mm -hmm. the god Jupiter. Oh. I've probably also done that. I play Bunko. I get a little crazy. By Jupiter. Invoke Jupiter. (laughs) I mean, Catholics, I don't know if it was different in history, but Catholics do gamble and drink with wild abandon. Well, it's yeah, fine. The wine and the gambling are not the problem. It's They're not the problem. It's the not taking communion and also the devil and Jupiter. And this is the last thing in this list. He did not he did not celebrate matins, matins. I never know how to pronounce that one. So like I don't know what that is. He didn't do it's I've seen it before but I couldn't tell you. Um but he also and this is the final nail, I guess, as you say. Okay. Um he did not make the sign of the cross one time. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Well, that that is unforgivable because clearly that's in the Bible. <laughs> so this is part of the dark age. <laughs> I mean, so I think to your point earlier of like, who would want that level of power of like, God told me, um, people who want lots of power, you know, I think our previous resident of the White House sort of had that power a little bit of, oh, well, God said he was supposed to do all these batshit things, right? If you- I can do whatever I want. If you want to do whatever you want, a bunch of people, a lot of people believing that God told you you could do whatever you want is- in your favor i mean yeah that's who that's who needs to be this position without any questions about like their divine right to be this person that's who's gonna want it it's crazy there's all sorts of awesome women well awesome in good and bad ways but this woman named morosia who was like one of the most notorious women of the pornocracy and she had lots of sons after sleeping with a pope And then her son, grandson, great-grandson, and two great-grandsons all became popes eventually. She's like the mother of popes. Yeah, it was kind of a kingdom Mm -hmm. in in the more traditional sense. And then you get out of that, it's like, I don't know, the Renaissance, the 1400s, there's Lucretia Borgia, who was the daughter of Pope Alexander VI. How he got to have a daughter. Who knows? (laughs) But she's pretty, pretty cool to to read about. And like when like Columbus got decrees to go to the the new world and all that stuff. Quote unquote. A lot of like the settling of who, like power around that time, the Pope was called in to settle like land disputes. And he, I I bet he was like, hello, have you noticed there are people living here and perhaps we should not just kill them for sport. No. You're so funny. (laughs) I'm sure that's totally what he said. Yeah. I'm sure he totally said we should look at the Bible and how to treat others. He's like, no, gold goes to Portugal and the slaves go to Spain. Something like that. Uh, it's out of control. Yeah. So then like a Protestant Reformation around Shakespeare's day, and I my theater times, um, come in here. And that's when they started calling the Pope the Antichrist was part of their language around Ooh. that. Which, I mean, at this point, I don't know. <laughs> Like, not showing very many Christly behaviors. Uh, we've maybe given them some people some reason to think that at that point. Yeah. Popes. Then, like, the Pope continues. Uh, at this point, the... Oh, sorry. Before that, like, Popes left Rome. Uh, they were the wandering Popes, and they would live all over the place. A lot of them lived in Avignon in France for a while. Oh. They lived all over the lovely. place. lovely. Yeah. They were, like, there was not... They were not tied to Rome yet. Until okay. 1929. Oh, that is not long ago. What was called the Roman question. I know. I'm like, again, in my head, I'm like, the Vatican was always there. Now, right. the palace, the basilica had been around since Const- Constantine started the construction of it. But the okay. but Vatican City State was not, mm-hmm. was only after like Romans were like, oh, well, the Pope is here. So we own the Pope. And that's kind of when it became its own country. Yeah. Around then, the Roman question um, is a cool one to look up. And then a year after that, Adolf Hitler was appointed chancellor. And that is when Pope Pius XI. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. He came up in some of my research of of some of the Reich Concordat, Reich's Concordat, something like that. I don't know German. But that was basically when they they created an alliance with Nazi Germany. Mm. There's a lot in there. 
after that, we get uh, after World War II. And I didn't want to go into that too much because I feel like we're going to spend a whole episode on how the maybe the Holocaust in general um, mm-hmm. and how the Catholic Church reacted to it. And it came up even in the two popes that I researched. Mm-hmm. It came up quite a bit because they um, both lived in places that were occupied by Nazis as children or as young people and then we talked about the second vatican council which uh came about in uh mid-century and then what this dude who i cannot believe i did not know about who came before before jp yeah pope paul the sixth he seemed really rad no do you know about him i don't know much about him no i feel like he's the one that sort of really defined the pope as we know it really and jp because he was the pope during vatican ii yeah right? he was all about okay. reaching out to people he was a huge he really really worked hard on uh creating world peace during v- the vietnam war mm-hmm. and he really shifted the focus to working with and for the poor which a lot of people didn't like because they were u- the wealthy were used to having access to the Pope. Sure. And so he started saying no to that. He was the first Pope to visit basically India, the United States, the first Pope to visit all five continents. Wow. And he was described as joyous and saintly. But yeah, he was just considered really likable and nice, which... Oh, good for him. Was, you know, made people angry. So, yeah. <laughs> can't be nice gotta be power hungry and i kind of stopped there because i figured that's when we get into the modern era and he's wonderful he started yeah in on to to our popes to the popes that you and i remember in our lifetimes so i i looked into jp the two Mm -hmm. and and then also benedict who i was not excited about i tried to get (laughs) my challenge to myself was like to get excited about him in any way i he like maybe had a couple almost redeeming qualities, but in general, I was not too pumped with anything I saw. But okay, so like I said, I feel like John Paul II is. There's a lot there that's like, okay, yeah, this is the this the stuff in the church that got me interested in social justice and other things, and then a lot of the stuff I'm like, and this is the reason I left the church. <laughs> it's like all in there. It's all in there. He was born. His real name is Carol. Or his, 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 you know, name when he mm-hmm. was born, because you change your name when you're Pope. You get your Pope is, name. Um, Carol Whitla, I think. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. If my grandmother were living, she could have told me the correct pronunciation. So he was born in 1920 in Poland. And he was, when he became the Pope in 1978, he was the first non-Italian Pope in 455 years. And the first from any Slavic country. So huge Woo! deal Slavics. for the Poles. And just in... Yes, go Slavs. I'm pro Slav. <laughs> One of those things, like we're all we're all in this, guys. Let's mm-hmm. all be. Let's all. JP can be all of ours. The the Slavic folks. But he also his childhood coincided with a period of freedom in Poland, but it was a brief period. So even though there was freedom when he was a child, there was like a general sense that Poland was a country that had been under occupation and had lots of political turmoil. And he he grew up very poor. He lived in a small apartment. He grew up in a town of eight thousand Catholics and two thousand Jews. It's actually a town very close to what um, the future site of mm-hmm. Auschwitz. Uh, but apparently there was not a lot of anti-Semitism, supposedly. And this, again, is just like what I'm reading. But, you know, and he was his, one of his close friends was the son of the leader of the Jewish community. So he had friends who were Jewish. This comes up again because because the Nazis invade right. Poland at some point um, and when he's a young adult. Wait, what what year is like this? So he was born in 
1920. Oh, okay. So this, yeah, okay. So his dad was actually a, a lieutenant in the Polish army. His mom died when he was eight. So this is the first, I'm going to point out the places where we have similar mm. lives. He lost a parent when he was eight, as did I. That's when my dad died. But, and then his brother died four years later. His, like, who, his brother who was an adult. So he had actually a, a pretty, like, mm. uh, trauma-filled mm. childhood. Uh, he excelled in academics and he played soccer slash football and um drama he was a he was a drama nerd stephanie get out he was he was in drama in school apparently um and but he was also very religious there was a church next door to his apartment and he was like close with the priest there and he um, did know how to put on a show you know he and his father fled poland when the nazis invaded but then i guess the russians also invaded i don't know somehow he ended up back in back in krakow which is in in the city um mm-hmm. and ki- had to continue his studies like secretly and he worked in a factory a chemical firm that the nazis owned and at the same time so while he's working at this chemical factory Uh-oh. he starts well first he starts writing plays about poland and it's sort of like he's like an underground resistance theater group stephanie are you kidding me he was doing he was like a theater for social change guy he would have been at like a conference that you and i might be at while working at a chemical that was like his day job to like look like he was cool with the nazis like you had to work for them so he was like working for the not the at a fact but like at by day working at a nazi chemical factory to like stay under the radar and by night doing like theater against the oppressive government like developing how has no one ever told me he was in theater i know and not only theater but like theater for political change kind of stuff He joined the Rhapsodic Theater, an underground resistance group that aimed to sustain Polish culture and morale through covert readings of poetry and drama. Oh, what? It's so badass, right? I'm like, I had no idea. So again, point where the Pope, like theater for social change, the Pope and I are similar. This Venn diagram between you and the Pope is getting very complicated. It's getting weird. Polish... The childhood loss, the drama piece. And then he was introduced to the teachings of St. John of the Cross, who's a Carmelite mystic. I have to say I am interested in mystics in general. And this idea um, that you gain redemption through suffering and spirituality of abandonment, which I don't know. This sounds intense. I need to maybe look into that. And so he decides at that point that it seems like he has this draw toward like social change and changing the world and and healing the world which I think also if I can armchair psychology this like I think experiencing loss as a young person oftentimes brings you to that place of like I need to change things or I you know especially and then and then being in like a war I mean essentially being occupied by such a brutal force so he then decides to go to seminary it is illegal to do that under the nazi so he goes to secret seminary because like they hated catholics too yes well or i mean while still working at the chemical factory he's like going to secret seminary classes at night to become a priest so it's all it is very like under the dark of night it's not yeah. like uh oh this is this is what the cool kids are doing it's actually yeah. like very secretive of him at when he became pope he rec- he said witnessing nazi horrors including the murder of many priests i don't know Again, like, okay, cool. But also, can we talk about, like, concentration camps and Jewish people, too? That showed him the real meaning of priesthood, he said. So in 45, Soviets replaced... Was it, like, the martyrdom aspect again? 
I, you know, I think, yes. And this comes up over and over this idea to like want to filter everything through sort of Catholic martyrdom. Mm. So in 45, the Soviets replaced the Germans as occupiers of Poland. He is ordained as a priest. He receives two doctorates. He teaches theology and ethics. He anonymously publishes poetry on a variety of different social and religious and personal themes. And he becomes the spiritual leader of a young, some, a group of young adult friends, and they go kayaking and camping together. Get out. I know. And they celebrate mass like out in the woods, like out in the open where it's forbidden to worship outside of churches. So he's anti, very anti-establishment. Yeah. This experience supposedly with these group of friends. Now I'm like, I need to read this book. So his first book of nonfiction is called Love and Responsibility. And it's an exploration of the graces available in conjugal sexual relationships. No. Okay. Yes. So first of all, I mean, he's theoretically celibate. So like, I have so many feelings about this. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, just like every time, like marriage counseling or or sexual counseling from people who don't experience it seems so wild to me. Yes, like someone whose whole deal is that they are not allowed to be married or have children or have sex. Mm-mm. And I think it's, you know, at some point we will talk about nuns and priests and like these, the, their vows of chastity and, we'll have to. and celibacy. Yes. And I do see, listen, I do see the value of this idea of I'm dedicating your whole life to a calling and in a lot of ways living outside, theoretically kind of living outside of capitalism and, and which is becomes very hard if you have children who you're trying to provide for, right? Like that right. becomes very complicated. So I do see that piece of it. I'm, As a parent, I see how all my time goes to my family in a way that I could see that this idea of giving your whole life to a calling outside of a family, I do see to a degree how that makes sense. But yeah, then like, why are you writing and making decisions about families and sex and marriage? Yes. Anyway, he writes this in 1960 and it's actually pretty progressive because he's essentially saying, he's saying that sex is good for marriages and can be a positive force in a marriage. And that is revolutionary in the Catholic Church. That sex is anything. I mean, I concur. (laughs) Right? But at the time, like up till then, it appears that sex is sort of this thing that is just procreation necessary for procreation, but it's sinful, but we're just going to pretend that we're just going to get it over with because you got to make babies somehow. So he's like the proponent of intimacy. Yes. For the first time the idea that that sex serves another purpose which is intimacy in a marriage which makes me feel like he must have been having it i mean (laughs) you would think i would i would also probably feel that way maybe his kayaking friends just talk to him a lot about it you know maybe who knows anyway okay so yeah did the people did people like lose their minds over this i mean so conservatives were not there's a lot of traditionalists throughout at at this time you better not like who you're having sex with (laughs) stop it right now i think of the image of like did you watch handmaid's tale Mm -hmm. the like sheet with the hole in it (laughs) the idea that sex like we're just not even don't even look at each other don't look at me just make a baby and let's not talk about it Right, that that's and how almost... dare you think differently? Uh, so you know, it's one of these things where, like, okay, that's impressive. Also, this is a very low bar that maybe sex is not <laughs> evil <laughs> in a marriage. Like, that's come on. 
He is generally, though, impressing a lot of the higher ups. And at Vatican II, at the Second Vatican Council, which happens between 62 and 65, he distinguished himself so much that halfway through the council, the Pope, Pope Paul VI, names him Archbishop of Krakow. He's just like, oh my gosh, you're so impressive. You're the Archbishop now. Whoa. Yeah. So he learns a lot during Vatican II. He becomes very interested in the role of lay people in the church. Like, how do we get lay people, non-priests and nuns more involved? Their relationship with other religions is a big focus of his and interest of his and how it also interacts with the secular world, how the church is interacting with the secular world. In 65, he's appointed to the Pope's Commission for the Study of Problems of the family population and birth rate. Uh, This is when he comes out. So he comes out at this point, Pope Paul writes an encyclical, but JP, the, who, the guy who will be JP the two is involved in writing the cyclical, which is like a very fancy letter that Pope's right, <laughs> saying we're not cool with birth control. And if we think about it, this is really when birth control is becoming very popular. In the 60s. Like yeah, 60s, in the 70s. 60s. Yeah. So apparently some bishops disagreed with us and said that they didn't think this was good theology. They were pro birth control? Yes, like it was a brand new I mean brand new technology, medical technology that I guess was finally safe enough that women were using it some and mm-hmm. um JP and and also Pope Paul were like, "Nope, can't do it." Mm. Which is that oh, this is this is to my place of like just a second ago you almost had me JP and now I'm like mm. that was such a bad move especially if you're gonna be super anti-abortion listen you gotta like where's my all the free healthcare and daycare yes right exactly free healthcare free childcare where's this all happening right like everything you're saying it. Like, yes, progressive. He's got kayak friends. But I still, like, I'm not hearing very much of, like, any female influence. And, yes, and because he's not married, he doesn't have a family, he doesn't have a wife. Right. So, of course, he doesn't know. I don't know if any of those – all those friends are probably men, as far as I know. I have no idea. So, yeah, we've got these celibate men who've never had to, you know – Make that choice or deal with. Even buy a house or make a budget for a family. Or not just have everything provided for... I mean, certainly growing up, he was very poor, right? So he has that sense of it. But like as an adult... No. He has had the church... He's been on the church's bankroll and housing, etc. And he's never even had to think about what does that actually mean to have unlimited number of children? Little dollar bills from my allowance going into the basket to pay for this. (sighs) (laughs) Anyway, so he's made a cardinal in 67. And so Pope Paul dies in 78. And the College of Cardinals Mm -hmm. actually choose a different guy. They choose John Paul I and he dies 33 days later. I saw that. Yes, I didn't know that. Like mysteriously, right? Oh, I didn't. I don't even know. I had no idea. That's a very short-lived popedom. So apparently John Paul II, the person who became John Paul II, was considered a sort of a compromise candidate because he's very traditional in a lot of ways, but he's very pro-Vatican. Like there were people who were anti, who were not into the changes of Vatican II. And so he was actually with Vatican II. He was very progressive. He was like, yes, we need to involve lay people. We need to flip the mass around. We need to use the local language. So he's progressive in that way. But then outside of that, he's actually very traditional, obviously with like, he says, no priest should not get married, should not be allowed to marry. And he says that, you know, no birth control, et cetera. So he's seen as like a compromise kind of guy. 
he's first a non-Italian pope since the 1500s. And this, he is sort of similar, it sounds like, to Pope Paul. He is very interested in the role of the church in politics, but he says that they shouldn't be taking political sides, but they should be bringing morality to the conversation is sort of his deal. And so he goes on tons of trips. He does a ton of traveling. He first goes to the Dominican Republic, Mexico, the Bahamas, Latin America. He's talking a lot about human rights, personal dignity, religious freedom. Then he goes to Poland, where he's obviously just everybody's favorite in the whole world. And Paul said later that there were such huge groups of people that assembled that it helped them realize their own political strength and perhaps had to do with their defiance of the communist regime later on. Oh. That they were like, oh, look at us organizing and bringing big groups of people. To, like, look how many of us there are on the streets. Like, we have this power in numbers. Wild. So, I know. And so then he goes to Ireland. He condemns violence done in the name of religion, which Catholic Protestant kind of stuff mm-hmm. that which I also is another thing I feel like I should learn more about and then he comes to the U.S. including Chicago which has the second largest Polish population after Warsaw at the time might still so Ooh, your grandma go yeah so let me tell you yes so I asked my mom I was like hang on this was 79 so apparently um he, while he was in the U.S., I will say he expressed disagreements with the West, including American capitalism, which is exciting. Okay. So apparently some conservatives were like, we don't like that he's like railing against capitalism in the U.S. Like, Yeah, I saw that with Paul, the one I told you about, like he started the anti-capitalist part Ooh. of the- See, Yeah. See, that's- Of the popes. That's exciting. Like, mm. Again, okay, mm. me and JP, we're, we see it. We see things, something similarly. So I'm going to, I'm going to send you a picture. Yeah, it says flashback when Chicago met Pope John Paul II. Okay. Yes, I'm seeing it. So before you scroll through, so I asked my mom, I was like, hang on. This was 1979. So this is six years before I'm born. It's like, so did our family go see the Pope? So my grandma was there at one of the masses at Five Holy Martyrs. It was a Polish mass at Five Holy Martyrs Parish. My grandma worked at a different Polish church. She was the secretary at the rectory. And so apparently Monsignor, which is like a special title that you could give special fancy priests i don't totally understand how one becomes a monsignor but there was a monsignor as a child i thought there was one person named monsignor because my grandma (laughs) and the family would say like monsignor but it was this one particular priest who was the pastor which is the head priest of the parish my grandma worked for okay who she like had just the uh, you know he was a big deal priest and so she has all and who she works for him is like almost like the pope and for her so apparently monsignor was in charge of the music at this polish mass So she got a ticket to go to it and got to go. And my great, great uncle, my great grandmother's brother, she had a lot of younger, much younger siblings because Catholic family. So he was like still kind of a young guy at that Uh point. He like did a reading or something. He was involved. He spoke Polish. He did a reading. My mom was like, well, you know, because Uncle Clarence, he was friends with all those Polish priests. I was like, of course he was. Well, yeah. Yeah. Why not? That was his social life was like Polish Catholic stuff. Till he died a couple of years ago. That was his whole life. So he did a reading and my grandmother's brother had recently died and his young son brought up the gifts at the, which is the bringing up right. the bread and the wine. He was one of the kids who brought up the gifts to the Pope. Oh my and I think his, his, the priest at his church, which I think was St. Peter and Paul, which is the church that my great grandparents both attended, like grew up in and fell in love and raised their family. How do you get picked to be that person? 
because I think his dad had just passed away mm-hmm. and the pastor there was like, oh, he should get to meet the Pope, oh. which is actually very like yeah. sweet. So yeah, he got to bring up the gifts. So my family was like- All up in it. Was, was present. And so I said to my mom, like, well, did Grandma Sugo, who's my great grandma, and she was the one who had the picture of JP the two in her kitchen. Like, of course she would want to go. And my mom was like, no. And I thought that was so, I was like, why? Why didn't she go? And she was like, well, you know, she was older. She had like health problems. She had like chronic Mm. migraines and she had health problems. I don't think she wanted to do all that. And I still was like, well, that's kind of weird. This is a once in a lifetime chance to see the Pope. Why wouldn't you? But if we look at these photos, yeah. so let's look at, okay. let's see. So this first one was of lots of violins. Uh-huh. You keep going. There's a little girl hugging him, which is sweet. Oh. There's the kids. If you keep going. We love John Paul. I know. So good. There's a lot of these photos take place on Milwaukee Avenue near the Polish Triangle, which you and I worked ah, we did a lot of theater work there. If we see the settlement house, I'm going to lose my mind. Very exciting. That's where we used to work. Okay. So go to the one where it says crowds jam the streets. Can you describe this? photo for our listeners it's like explain i don't know if i can't explain it okay it's just like a sea of faces and almost like a collage like there seems like way too many people in this photo than could possibly be in it there's three very chicago houses in the background with porches people are like all the way up on every step spilling out of the front doors there's one old school chicago cop in the foreground i mean people are pressed in more than i've ever seen at any concert so tight so tight the crowd just continues all the way up the stairs probably down the gangways in between the houses there's probably it looks like there's people in the windows i'm surprised there are people in the roofs yeah yeah out of control i looked at this photo and my mom saying you know grandma sue's health was not great i don't she just didn't think she could handle it now i'm like ah yeah if you're an elderly lady with health issues you would pass out in that situation like the body's just pressed up against each other this is worse than a beatles concert yeah well it's so funny you said that because if we keep that was totally my thought. So if you keep going forward, you could see the mass. So this was the mass. <gasps> Again, when my mom said this was the parish, the mass was outside at the parish because look at all the people who wanted to attend. And then if you keep going, there he is like Whoa. doing communion. There's one with these cops like pushing, like shoving nuns who are trying to break through. Is that, oh, those are nuns? And old ladies. There's a nun definitely to the left. Oh, I see it. Yes. If you see, and then in a habit and all these old ladies wanting to see the Pope. And then he did another mass at Grant Park, which- Okay, seeing that. Whoa. I mean, Grant Park is completely, this is bigger than Lollapalooza. Way bigger. That's way bigger. Like people cannot move. Probably bigger than when, I'm curious, I should look at the numbers. Like who had a bigger- Barack Obama. Turnout, the Pope or Obama, yeah. Right, that is nuts. And then he's in his car. I got that limousine. Mm-hmm. This is before <gasps> the murder attempt, so he doesn't have a um, no pope mobile, like a pope mobile yet. No. Grant Park was that flowers? All that yellow and white? Yes, those are all flowers. Oh, that's beautiful. That's packed with people. So yeah, this is what I mean. There were just. People came out in droves and people also came. So this is Chicago because Chicago has such a huge Catholic population. And he did go kind of all over the city. But if you keep, go to photo number 26. Okay. I'm at 16. Do you see it? I I, I cannot handle how many people are. This like is giving me a panic attack just looking at this. Okay. I know. Yeah. There would be no way. If someone shouted fire, there is nothing you can do in that situation. No. You are stuck. Oh, look at the Polish traditional costumes. Okay. I know. I have, there are pictures around of my grandma wearing a costume like that. Not at that time in her life, but. 26. Okay. Sister Evangelist. 
evangelist. Mm-hmm. Came all the way from Billings, Montana to see Pope John Paul II. Oh, she is fangirling out. Yes. Look at that lady behind her. Got that very like Liz Taylor thing happening. Oh, yeah. With her fancy hair and her coat. It looks cold. So yeah, this nun, she is <laughs> young, right? This is like a young nun in probably her like maybe her 30s. She's wearing a habit, but her like little bangs are hanging out. She's wearing a modest collar with a, a wool coat, but she has a JP the two button on her peacoat lapel. And then she's holding a JP the two like concert poster. Yes. Like this. That's what I thought. Like Beatles. This is what this feels like. Like girls at Beatles concerts who are just covered or like currently at whatever, whoever is the cool hip person now concert, you know? Like, like a- just to get that close. Yes. I mean, so yeah, his following, it was just this, it was, I don't know, this idea that he's like close to God and they're going to be close wow. to him and what a big deal that was. And I saw a quote somewhere where this guy, one of the priests essentially says like that he saw the, the Pope get out of his car and he was like, oh, he was just so human. Like his cassock was wrinkled and he was a real person. And it's so funny because it's like, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing for sort of non-believers. It's like, obviously, like, yes, your sort of person you put on a pedestal is human. But for that, I mean, to have seen a picture, it is almost like Jesus or something. Does he have seen a picture of this person for so long? And really not long at that point, but to see the picture of like a Pope, this idea of a Pope being greater than this guy, because he had really only been Pope for a year at this point, maybe less. It's just the fact that he's just a real normal human who like needs to eat a sandwich for lunch is like mind blowing to Catholics. I... I don't know if I've ever had that feeling, regardless, like not musician, not actor, not Pope, where I've been like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like he's here. Like I don't think, I mean, maybe in my teen Tiger Beat days, like when I was, I mean, maybe JTT. I recently found out that um, Taylor Hansen of Hansen, who was like, that was my room wallpaper Mm. as a middle schooler, Hansen, Hansen all the time. Taylor Hansen was recently in my neighborhood checking out the Frank Lloyd Wright home and studio and he just casually posted a picture on instagram of several blocks from my house and i had did you get excited i was so upset that i didn't i was like i could have seen him i could have been driving down the street and just run into him and my husband was like what okay what would you have done i was like i would have stopped and gotten out of the car ran screaming like a (laughs) middle schooler i think that's what this is like or also i feel like perhaps if i met either of the obamas Mm. I'd probably be pretty pumped about that. Like, met them in real life. Yeah. I'd probably not be able to talk much. Mm-hmm. Same. I'll age myself. And Hanson's were too uh, – I was too old for that. You were – yeah. I was – my first concert ever was NKOTB, New Kids on the Block. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did have, like, yes. Jordan posters up. I was a Jordan fan. But I, I don't know if I've ever experienced that, like, mania feeling. Well, I imagine a crowd like that yeah. certainly helps to – Pumps you up. Yes, because everyone is so excited to see this one person. And so then when they walk in and you believe they're close to God – I mean, another cool thing is there were pictures where it's like – so Cardinal – the Cardinal at the time was Cardinal, who's uh, the highest up person in the diocese, mm-hmm. is Cardinal Cody. And I remember my grandma talking about Cardinal Cody. Yeah, there's pictures of Cardinal Cody with the Pope and – he you know had invited him to Chicago I remember my grandma telling a story about she got a call at the rectory and it said it's Cardinal Cody and she got very flustered and she couldn't remember how you're supposed to address a cardinal it's like I don't know 
I'm like, is it like your majesty? It's not, but it's like your <laughs> grace. Or you're supposed to say something special, apparently, to a cardinal. Oh. And she didn't know what to say, and she got flustered, and she connected him to Monsignor. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out it was not Cardinal Cody. It was a priest from another parish who was like pulling a prank on her. One of those rude Catholic pranks. I know. I thought it was so funny. And I think she both was irritated and kind of liked that she was being pranked by a priest. priest. (laughs) She was part of their like crew that they were pulling pranks on her. Let's get her. Such a Catholic prank. (laughs) It is. We'll pretend we're a cardinal. (laughs) She'll never know what to do. Oh, it really was her. That was her brand of prank. All right. So yeah, John Paul came to Chicago. Huge deal. This sort of tells us what kind of person he was. And in general, similar to Paul, it sounds like he's really into human rights, really into connecting Europe and saying that like, we're all Christians and bringing different Christians together, which Mm -hmm. like, again, on the one hand, cool. I'm glad that we're doing that. On the other hand, okay, what about like the non-Christians in the, in Europe though? Right. Can we talk about them too? No. Some Vatican clergy thought he was traveling too much. He traveled a ton. He was shot in the abdomen and nearly killed by a Turkish man. And he claimed that the Virgin, um, the Virgin Mary had saved his life by guiding the bullet away from his vital organs. And he also said that the third message, we should talk about these at some point, but like there were the messages that Our Lady of Fatima gave to the children. Children spotted the Virgin Mary in Fatima, Portugal. And he said, or other people said that the third vision that they saw actually had to do with this miracle. Like this is what she was pointing to, that she would save the Pope. So he actually went to Fatima to thank the Virgin or whatever. And a dissident, a priest who was illegally ordained by this French guy, Marcel Lefebvre. An anti-priest. Who was an archbishop. This archbishop who didn't like Vatican II and he had secretly gone and ordained his own priest when he wasn't allowed to. And he was very conservative. Anyway, they were they were like, didn't like the Pope. And then, so then this guy, while he's like thanking the Virgin Mary for saving him, this guy also tries to kill him. <gasps> doesn't kill him the french guy gets excommunicated for the french archbishop for making up fake priests jp continues goes to latin america does a lot of he's very into um you know working with political organizations there wait why um, did the, the is you said he was turkish the man who shot him mm-hmm. did he say i'm not clear on why okay. he shot him i mean no i'm sure he probably wasn't either there's a lot of political stuff so i'm imagining maybe that or like even though he says he's not political he is in getting involved in politics he supposedly might have stopped some wars like he intervened in a territorial dispute between chile and argentina but there's some wars he tries to stop like he tries to like the persian gulf war mostly in the u.s (laughs) the persian gulf war against iraq the economic embargo against cuba he tries to stop those things in the u.s is like we don't care pope and they do it anyway la 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 we can't hear you yeah so and actually though in communist cuba fidel castro really liked the pope and actually had him come to cuba because he likes (laughs) both the pope and fidel castro like to criticize capitalism in the u.s so they have that common enemy (laughs) they were buddies 
he did make appeals for clemency in cases of the death penalty, which I appreciate. Right. I did know that. A lot of stuff. He brought leaders of major religions together for a prayer service for world peace. Mm. He did also work with faith leaders in Judaism and Islam. He was the first, I think, Pope to go in, into a synagogue and into a mosque. So that was like a big deal. And he was trying to bring some semblance of like, oh, we're all Abrahamic religions. We're all going to okay. be together here. He did apparently there was some campaign that he had to involve Catholics in apologies for the sins of Catholics against others throughout history, including those committed during the Crusades and against indigenous peoples, women, suspected heretics, non-Catholic Christians, Muslims, and Jews. So he's trying to atone. There's some attempted acknowledgement. I don't see anything about slavery there, which I think is a big uh, omission. And currently during all this time, those schools in Canada are operating. Yeah, and the U.S. And the U.S., there's still schools. Kids are dying. So I feel like, you know, again, it's like, okay, that's lovely. But also like, can't have been that hard to, I mean, he must have known something. Yeah. Right? Right. So he is saying these things. Like apparently he did have a good relationship with Jewish leaders because he, he talked a lot about, he didn't go so far as to say Pope Pius didn't do enough to end Nazism. He and Benedict are sort of like, oh, he was secretly just doing things in the background. You just like didn't know. Mm -hmm. But that sounds really convenient. Didn't Francis, I thought he like apologized for it. And that was like, everyone was mad about it. I think everyone's trying to apologize for it. But not really. Mm. So apparently John Paul II canonized a Jewish convert, Edith Stein, who was a nun killed in Auschwitz because she was Catholic, but she also had been Jewish and converted. And so she was killed in Auschwitz. And so he tries to use her as like a rallying day and be like, so she's a saint and we're going to use her feast day, which is like a special day that saints have, which we'll talk about, to remember the Holocaust. Oh. And Jews are like... Mm, so you're gonna like use your thing to remember the holiday like we have to do it in your way through this catholic saint it can't just be like we're the person who left our religion exactly which i feel like is what catholicism does like the same thing with indigenous stuff people will be like well we love saint kateri who was a an indigenous woman who is a catholic saint who became catholic it's like why can't we just remember and admire and revere people who were not catholic well you know yeah <laughs> The same as taking Jupiter's name in vain. <laughs> so you're right. We have to, We there's this thing of like, we still have to say Catholics are the best, even if we're going to be like, we are need to be brotherhood, but also we're kind of the best. And so I don't want to go into any, I do, do still need to talk about Benedict. Uh, he's anti-euthanasia <laughs> and anti-abortion, which again, and I'm especially in the US and that I just, I have a lot of angry feelings about that. And then he had Parkinson's, he was getting really sick and he died in 2005 which i don't remember very well and his canonization happened very quickly uh pope benedict allowed the review of his canonization which is the becoming a saint to begin like kind of right away and so he became a saint uh in 2014 yeah it's like super fast yeah that never happens with saints normally there's a long time Okay. Oh, I feel like I've been talking a long time. But anyway, Benedict comes and... Um, as well, JP's a big deal. He is a big deal. He was the biggest deal Pope to me. I think Francis is kind of a big deal now because I'm like interested mm -hmm. in what he's done. But Benedict, you know, he in a lot of ways, he is similar. He was good friends and an advisor to JP the two. And he's sort of similar to him. He was six years old when the Nazis took power in Germany. He lived... He 
grew up in Germany, born in 1927. And he actually, though, even though his family was like very Mm anti-Nazi, he he became Hitler Youth as a child. That's right. That was like the big... Yes, that's a big deal. Or like as a young teen. But his thing was always like, well, there wasn't an option. Like that was, they would have killed me if I didn't kind of a thing. I mean, it's, I can't, there's so much to unpack with anyone who made those choices, especially when you're young, like you just look, Mm -hmm. I mean, you accept the world Mm -hmm. that you're told as a kid. So it's hard. And it sounds like his parents were not Nazi sympathizers at all, but he sort of was like, this was his only option. Oh, I know. Wait, so before you go any further, tell me his name again, because I always think it's John Ratzenberger, which is like Cliff from Cheers. And I know that's wrong. What's (laughs) Joseph Ratzinger. Ratzinger. Thank you. Yes. Very close. (laughs) I I know it's not Ratzenberger. Very close. (laughs) But in my head, he's always got the voice of Cliff. Not to be confused. (laughs) I hope he does. Yeah. So he ends up deserting the Hitler youth. Like he's being forced to be a Nazi. He like deserts and he's captured by Americans and held technically prisoner of war. But he, it also seems like he sees that like, that's how he was saved because since he deserted, the Gestapo would have found him in sent him yes. to a camp so the fact that he was captured by americans actually like saved, saved him and he actually kind of liked the americans apparently right. and got out eventually and was like thank you for capturing me i mean you saved my life uh, he has mixed reviews from the jewish world when he becomes a pope because he the whole hitler youth thing yeah the hitler youth thing but he's like i really hated the nazis and they like destroyed my childhood in horrible ways but also during a latin mass in 2007 he includes oh well, Latin masses in general apparently include prayers for Jews to be, quote, delivered from their darkness and converted to Catholicism. Okay. So there is a priest around here. Mm-hmm. We always went to St. Anne's Church when I visited my grandma, well, the Slovak church. And across the street was the Italian church. And that was Our Lady of Fatima was the Italian church. And that priest was wackadoodle. And when Benedict was in charge, his homily at Christmas <gasps> – he was like, we need to pray for blah. And he's like, I want to list sinners. And it started off, it was like divorcees, not just divorce people, yeah. divorcees. Sounds so fancy. Members of the ACLU. Oh my God. Going straight Sorry. to hell. Those are all the list of people going to hell. Divorcees, members of the ACLU, homosexuals. Duh. I'm like uh, waiting for this. Am I on this list? I mean, I have donated to the ACLU, so I think that's me. Oh yeah. And then yeah. it was and. And Jews. And he said that's in the middle of like Christmas. And I was like, so my family, we're, we've never been quiet, but like my cousin who's divorced, like almost like stood up and I was like getting mad. And then I was like, members of the ACLU, she's also a lawyer. So like we were like so, we were like talking back at the priest. It was a whole to do. <gasps> oh my goodness. I love. And then the next year, Francis became Pope. Mm-hmm. And he was like the most lovey dovey priest all of a sudden. Like he did whatever the popes told him to say. <laughs> So weird. But yeah, he was totally in like Jewish people need to be saved. That which Track. is not again, like is not a theology I grew up with. No. So that is nutty cuckoo. I mean, so the more general stuff, he again is kind of a progressive guy when it comes to Vatican II. He's one of the more progressive figures on the council. And but then here he teaches at a university and there's like student protests denouncing Christianity for you know, lots of reasons that we've listed. And um, he is like, oh, these protesters, they just remind me of the Nazis. So he becomes more conservative. What? And I am like, listen, I feel like if you're in a situation, you're trying to figure out which side are the Nazis, 
the people telling people which God to believe in are the Nazis. And the people telling people you're in or you're out are also the Nazis. And the people telling people to, how to control their bodies and what they're allowed to do with their bodies. If somebody is a Nazi, it's those people. Yeah. Not the people who are saying, stop telling me what God to believe in. Those are, they are not the Nazis. Just somebody, because somebody disagrees with you doesn't make them the oppressor. Uh. So that is where I got very irritated and thought, yep, this Pope is exactly who I thought he was, which is a conservative, <laughs> annoying guy who I'm not a big fan of. Oh. It says, I this thing, and a, a lot of this is from the Britannica, I'll be honest. Uh, although he insisted on the superiority, this is even before he became Pope, of the Catholic faith to other religions, he was also closely involved in JP the Two's historic efforts to reach other faiths, especially Judaism and Islam. I'm like, cool. Am I supposed to be impressed by that? Like, you're just going to treat people like human beings, but you still think you're better? Cool. Good job. Ugh. Yeah, right? Like, yay, slow clap. No. No. So, I don't know. He became he became Pope. People did not think he, after JP the two died, people didn't think he was going, or everyone, he was like the front runner, and then people were like, he's not going to be Pope because no one ever picked, they never picked the front runner, and then they did. Oh. He basically was like, I love JP the two. I'm basically going to say everything he said, then- except maybe a little more conservative. He, I and sexuality, priestly celibacy, all those things. Oh, he did say that um, the teaching of limbo, which was the, do you know about limbo? Oh, I know about limbo. <laughs> do you want to enlighten our listeners? I mean, I know what I think I know, uh-huh. which is kind of like purgatory is what I thought, but it's kind of like where you go if you're not baptized. Like you didn't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. like babies who don't get baptized. Yes. They go to limbo, not heaven, and they can get prayed out of it. Yes. Or is yes. it purgatory you get prayed out of? Purgatory, you can definitely pray for the poor souls in purgatory. That was a thing people used to do. Real weird. But Limbo's like, you're not pure, but you're not like bad. Right. It was the thing that you touched on our first episode, I think, of like, so babies who don't get baptized go to hell. And so the church was like, oh, I guess that's icky. So at some yes. point someone was like, there's a place called Limbo. Which is not the contest. Which I always imagine like a limbo stick. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Like, why that word? You're kind of in between. So that's where that term, like, people say, like, in limbo. That's what that means. It's like this in between. I don't even know where that came from. But yeah, so this in between the babies who weren't baptized, it's like not as good as heaven, but it's like, okay. So he was like, uh, you know what? That limbo thing is kind of mean. Like, babies can go to heaven even if they weren't baptized. So thanks. Again, thanks. And also, like, the bar is so low that I'm supposed to be excited about that. So then. Things got really hard for him because a lot of stuff about the clerical sexual abuse and the cover-up by the church came out, yeah. and he was claiming the whole time he had no idea, and all the people who worked for him had no idea, and you know, which I can't quite believe that that's really true. So it becomes very hard, kind of, to be pope at that time. People are very angry. A lot of people leave the church at that time, mm-hmm. and he is getting older. He's having health issues apparently and so he was like you know what i am not gonna be pope anymore i am not i don't know he's like the second one to ever do that yes uh i believe so the first pope in more than 600 years to resign instead of ruling for life and recently he has chided uh conservative catholics who haven't accepted his resignation and called them fanatical and says there's only one pope and it's francis so he is like clean break i'm done i mean i who knows that could be with a wink and a nudge according to some people but he does say like i am no longer the pope it does feel like he jumped out at like a difficult time when it got really hard because shit got real yeah i mean it, it felt that way 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, not that I was practicing by then, but I was like, yeah, you're not the person for this moment. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't feel extraordinary no. in any way. No. And I was, he just could never answer those things in a way. I mean, most, even Francis, like, can't. Like, there's a lot to answer for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just wasn't. Nothing he ever said made me feel any, like, there was any responsibility being taken. Like, nothing. No. So I feel like my imagination always led me to believe that he got sort of pushed out. Like, the church was like, if we're going to survive this moment, we need. We need somebody stronger and yes. better at this. We need a. uh we need a uh what kind of priest is is francis he's a jesuit jesuit that's who you need in those situations Mm -hmm. you need a jesuit right i always liked the jesuits the jesuits the deal right is like they're known for like being very academic and scholarly and also good writer there's a little bit of a joke that they're maybe more likely to be gay and also i believe more likely to like like fancy things and not oh i didn't know that be so good at the poverty part i believe so yeah oh oh okay all right so it's like an inside catholic type of joke so go on well i say like are you ready for francis now i'm so ready for francis okay i decided not to go too in depth with it because i figured he's sort of in the news at the moment Mm -hmm. so i wanted to start i printed it out so i can do it (gasps) GQ has a quiz. How well do you know Francis? Oh. <laughs> True or false? GQ. Okay. Am I taking the quiz? I'm going to make you. I'm not going to do all 20 questions. I've circled. Okay. There's two that, some that are ridiculous. I'm excited. It's just true or false. <laughs> I love that GQ had this quiz. I know. I was like, thank you, GQ. Tells you something about our cultural understanding of who the Pope is. Well, because of some of the quotes, which we'll go into in a minute, he's become very like pop culture friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. I imagine that if you're listening to this, you've heard of Pope Francis and have some understanding of him and probably either are somewhere on the spectrum of like, he's not awful to maybe he's cool to I really still hate him. But we'll see. Okay. Here's a couple questions. True or false? Pope Francis declined the standard issue papal Mercedes in favor of a Ford Focus. I'm going to say it's true, even though the joke is that Jesuits like fancy things. I'm going to say that it's true because he's into like the poverty piece of things. Yes, yes, uh, it's true. Ding, 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 ding. Yay. He's actually, we'll go into this, but like he did away with the Pope mobile, the bulletproof glass and his mm. whole thing. He said, I've lived enough life. Like if I die, I die. It's Doesn't fine. John Stewart have a joke about like, what's the worst that happens? You get shot and go to heaven. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Like, what are you doing? So he was very much like doing away with that. He didn't want to be behind some bulletproof glass. Okay. Um, He was friends with famously agnostic author Jorge Luis Borges. I'll say true. It is true. He's famous. Like, they're little Argentinian enclave of friends. Oh, which I look like. At that. He's got. He's a good writer. I love that they're friends together that's so nice i know okay true or false does pope francis sneak out of the vatican in the middle of the night disguised as a regular person to help the homeless i could see that as being true final answer sure yes yay i didn't do research on any of these quiz answers so i don't know how they got how he got caught GQ is a uh, is a reputable yeah we're just like true or false They they don't have any elaboration on it at this moment but um, I love it. I know. He sneaks out. He's like, I don't want to deal with it. 
I like a little dis. It's like a Disney movie or something, or like oh. the Prince and the Popper. I don't know. Okay, I, I know this one. Um, okay. but let's see. Po- uh, was Pope Francis? Did he work as a bouncer in an Argentinian nightclub? <laughs> That's just so hard to picture. He's like a slight man, at least now. I'll say false. It's true. <gasps> Oh my gosh, that kind of makes me happy. While he was getting his degree in theology, he worked as a bouncer. He must have been, I mean, he's so unintimidating looking. Maybe he can, maybe he was a beefier guy as a younger man and he was intimidating. I don't know. I just like imagine him on a stool in a leather jacket (laughs) reading like the Bible outside of some neon lights. I don't know. I had read about that a long time ago and I was like, no. And there's a lot of cool memes about that. But yeah, he was a bouncer. That's amazing. It's wild. All right. True or false, he was part of a Jesuit mission to Vietnam that was evacuated in the very last moments of the fall of Saigon. I'll say true. I know he's Jesuit. False. That one's (laughs) made up. It was so made up. It's just totally, I guess it's totally made up. Again, they don't elaborate here. Weird. I know. I was like, what a weird specific false question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I was trying to like figure out his age. I was like, I maybe I don't know. Okay, true or false? Did he fly economy to Rome when he was elected pope? I see that as true. Yes, he's like the opposite of every Jesuit stereotype. Yes, he's very into the poverty thing. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's I think maybe it's Jesuits poking fun at themselves because maybe they're so. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. It's like they're so into poverty that when they see some one of themselves not, they're like, oh, fancy pants. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> and the last one, did he used to tango dance with his girlfriend before he found God? <laughs> I'll say true. True. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And all the there's so many in here that are false, but they're so outrageous. I'm like, I can't even ask this of you. Like what was, okay, here's one. True or false? He says Miley Cyrus's lascivious ways aren't that big of a deal and we should all find something better to care about with our time. (laughs) I mean, this goes back to his Britney Spears fandom. I mean, that we've made up. I will say I have. I'm sorry. This is taking us off. And I'm thinking about the Britney Spears thing again. Um, I have remember a specific moment. Britney Spears was like very big, very Britney. And, you know, now we can look back and see how maybe we vilified her Mm -hmm. when she was kind of being used by the executives yes and all those things and kind of sexualized as a young teen but in high school she was sort of the height of britney like sex appeal kind of thing and somebody had i don't know someone had a magazine that her face was on or something and my english teacher who was a former nun actually fascinating i just happened i don't know how i figured that out she was a former nun and she made some crack about britney like oh britney you know like i can't believe how she dresses or something like that and then she stopped and she said Oh, I shouldn't say that. I guess I should try to see Jesus in her. <laughs> and I remember I never, it was just not, I had never considered trying to see Jesus in Brittany. And now I actually appreciate that comment. Absolutely. Like as an adult, but it was so funny to me in the moment, like try to see Jesus in Brittany. So maybe, you know, I bet Pope Francis, if somewhere were, were to ask him, he would try to see Jesus in Miley and Brittany. Miley and Brittany. He's like, can you please find something better to do with your time mm-hmm. than judge them? Right. Yeah. I mean, what it, he, the NBA went to the Vatican. Do you remember? Did you? Oh, I don't remember that. I can't remember the name of the player that was there that speaks Italian. Not Italian. He's, or maybe he does speak Italian because like Francis has like nine yeah, languages. Yeah, but he also, right. 
But there was some player in the NBA that was like, it was for the Black Lives Matter movement. They went to the Vatican to like as envoys. I was like, if the NBA is going, Miley could go. I don't know if Miley knows any other languages, but you never know. Got to see the Jesus in her. I can't even see the Jesus in myself most of the time, but you know, we're working on it. Um, but basically, like, I didn't go into Francis's whole, whole story, um, mostly because I spent so much time researching the history of the church. So I was suddenly like yesterday, mm-hmm. I was like, oh crap, I've got to do Francis too. Um, but also because be- being that he's of our present moment, I feel like he's been covered in the secular news as well. Yeah. What are your personal feelings about Francis? Well, after Benedict, I was like, hell yeah, like, let's get the Fran- get Francis in here. And of course, like, I'm a huge Francis of Assisi fan. Like, who doesn't like the saint that had all the animals? Yes. The blessing of the animals. Did your church do that where you got yes. to bring your pets or a stuffed animal, stuffed animals. as I would bring? So, like, he chose a cool pope name. You know, a while back, I was dating someone who also was raised Catholic because that happens. And this was like five years ago. And although I don't think I've ever dated someone raised Catholic, I'm like weirdly drawn to them. I think fascinating. He was raised Catholic Irish. The, the boy I left my virginity to was Puerto Rican Catholic. And now, yeah, I've got the gamut of Catholic boys. I mean, it makes sense. You want someone who has a similar life story. Maybe I was just trying for something totally different. I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, continue. As he put it, It's like, yes, he's progressive and people are mad that he's not progressive enough, but he put it like, it's like a ship the size of the Titanic, like making a turn on a ship that big takes a lot longer than making a turn in a speedboat. Mm -hmm. And that helped me to, I guess, see the Jesus in Francis, if you want to put it that way. Like it gave me more grace when thinking about him not being progressive enough for my tastes. Mm -hmm. Like he's got to steer a very large ship and he's responsible for a lot again like i wouldn't want Mm -hmm. that job i don't know who would want that job no so he says some awesome stuff and then he like disappoints me because it's not awesome enough or he doesn't go far enough right but you know so i just picked out a couple moments from him when he was announced in 2013 obama said about the new pope as the first pope from the americas like you know like no one's been on this side of the world right in this hemisphere um right. so as the first pope from the americas his selection also speaks to the strength and vitality of a region that is increasingly shaping our world and alongside millions of hispanic americans those of us in the united states share the joy of this historic day so i feel like that put it into a lot of context about like how monumental mm-hmm. especially after like jp poland Nazi I mean I didn't know like he's you know not working in the Nazi chemical factory Mm -hmm. and like everything was really shaped by this European Benedict Hitler youth like it's all like this Europe centric tainted by the experiences of the Holocaust and World War II like all of the wretched history of European popes like it was a such a huge thing to go to a different continent Mm -hmm. that I was like I'm I was excited about it I know were you excited about him I was yeah I think any you know, at the time that he became Pope, like I was not a practicing Catholic, mm-hmm. obviously. And so I was only sort of seeing it from a distance. But um, right. Yeah, I think I was very excited at the idea of someone more progressive in any way, someone who cared about the poor and would, right. would criticize capitalism. And in general, I do, like I said, I think the Jesuits I have some respect for. I think if you're going to find them more progressive kind of catholic organizations the jesuits are often it or right. or some of the sisters like the sisters of mercy um you know and other yes. sisters but in terms of priests yeah 
he's like he doesn't believe women should be priests. Oh uh, yeah. But he said the feminine genius is needed wherever we make important decisions. And I was like, <sighs> I mean, yeah, but like if you don't have specific, and I think nuns are, you know, and lay women are finding roles for themselves. And mm-hmm. there's like Catholic universities and and hospitals and schools where the nuns are in charge like there are nuns in charge and that's very exciting you know like the ceo of a hospital being a nun like that's a big deal and that's happening but i think i at the time francis like became the pope i was very excited about those things and i very much was of this thought of like listen the catholic church has a lot of issues but like slowly you know it takes it takes longer but like these things can slowly change and one thing at a time I think I've lost patience with that. Being part of a church and realizing there are other churches where they have moved at a faster pace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know there's a number of reasons why maybe it's harder for the Catholic church, but like there are lots of churches that are quite similar to Catholicism, but women can be priests and gay folks can get married and be clergy and, you know, aren't even super even talking about abortion or recognize the complexity um, or are looking at other pieces of, of kind of what it means to be pro-life. And so I just, I think I've lost patience with the Catholic Church like okay cool but you know that's great like recently this priest I follow Jim Martin who I've talked about he talks a lot about LGBTQ issues in the church and I think he's all but said that he himself is a gay man he's a Jesuit priest Mm. you know who is basically has chosen celibacy because that's like the option in the Catholic Church that's what you're allowed to do is to just you could just not have sex with any just never have sex or any intimate relationship but he has talked about like welcoming LGBTQ people into the church as church members etc and the Pope recently wrote him a letter that was basically like, you do great work in the church, which people saw as like, oh, the Pope is like, he didn't say anything about LGBT folks, but like by default, you sort of understand that that's Jim Martin's thing. So the fact that the Pope is saying you do amazing work, people really respond to you. That's him hinting at maybe <laughs> being cool with some LGBT right. folks. But like, that is so, again, the bar is so, so low. It's so low. Like his one quote about this that I found was like, if someone is gay and he searches for the Lord and has goodwill, who am I to judge? Yes. That wasn't that long ago. And everyone's like, he's pro-LGBTQ. And they're like, right? Is I mean, yes. He's not saying they should go to hell. Is that the bar we're clearing? Right. And that's how I feel. Like if I, I imagine if I'm a queer person in the church or if my child is a queer person in the church, that is not enough. I don't want you to just not hate me. Right. Like that is in a church where we're supposed to be talking about love. So I don't know. I just, I appreciate, obviously if we're headed in the right direction at all, that's a good thing. And if it makes any person change their mind toward something a little more just, but uh, I don't know, not that impressed. I know it's, I feel like it's the best we've gotten so far. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> Which, true. I agree. If you're continuing to practice, I can see why, he would feel like a promise or a hope mm-hmm. or a light in that direction. But yeah, basically, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, my life is too short to wait for you all to catch up to this. And I just don't feel like waiting for you anymore. Did you know about the year of mercy? No. So this is one of the many reasons conservative Catholics despise him. It started on December 8th, 2015 and ended on November 20th, 2016. Priests around the world would be allowed to forgive the, quote, sin of abortion. And so he wrote, I think in particular, all the women who have resorted to to abortion, I am well aware of the pressure that has led them to this decision. I know that it is an existential and moral ordeal. I have met so many women who bear in their heart the scar 
scar of this agonizing decision. What has happened is profoundly unjust, yet only understanding the truth of it can enable one not to lose hope. So I feel like he's the first leader I have heard of, <laughs> politician or pope wise, that was like, well, I've heard, I mean, actually, there are other leaders that are way more progressive. But in terms of like the moderate stance, I suppose, like he's like, let's not punish people. I don't know. As opposed to set, like make it illegal yeah. or send them to hell. Like let's right. talk about how do we, how do we not push them, people away? How do we love more? But still, I'm Which like, again, like I appreciate that. And also like, you know what? For some women, it wasn't a hard decision. It was right. the best decision. And for lots of women, the best decision. it was a decision to not derail their lives when they were young. And now they have amazing families who they wouldn't right. change for the world. Or it was a decision to not risk dying and leaving their other children. Like, I just feel like. Correct. Huh, <laughs> again, I just feel like there's this thing as a man in the celibate man where is he really seeing the true or acknowledging like. They're still sort of being relegated, people, women, they, I shouldn't say that, but he's still relegating this group to othering them. Yes. And that they were somehow the victim of something or were misguided or, or that it's something that pains them, assuming Mm -hmm. that it pains them for a long time. And yeah, I know. I appreciate, again, just even the acknowledgement that there's a lot that goes into a decision like that about your own body and your own fertility, like. That alone is big deal when you look at the history and yet, I know, you know, I mean, recently I will say like he did. So after he had that surgery recently that we were talking about, he Mm -hmm. did say that he thinks that everyone should have healthcare. And I'm like, yes, like, listen, Mm -hmm. if we're talking about pro-life, why isn't that what we are talking about? That should have been what we've been talking about for all the time, always. I know you, and you mentioned like Catholic hospitals, which are one of the worst places to have a child in, according to most data I've been mm-hmm. looking at. It's like, cause they won't help, you know, like let's say that you might die or your baby might die. They might not do the like necessary procedures mm-hmm. because their doctrine is more important than the lives they're serving. It's wild. Terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. So, so right. like, yes, he's wicked. This is a wicked complicated moment for anyone who wants mm-hmm. to look at him as a savior for the left side of the church like eh. but he's definitely not the right's not a fan of no which i appreciate i mean anyone the right dislikes i i'm like huh and yeah in my deepest of hearts i think i do feel warmly towards francis Mm -hmm. for the reasons that i said yeah he's i mean so i looked up i typed into google like why do people hate him why do catholics hate pope francis so much Mm -hmm. because i know a lot of catholics who were just livid about the man and what so one of the things we've sort of mentioned it is like basically he's a communist like he doesn't believe in capitalism he believes in centering the poor the elderly the disenfranchised in the middle of our conversations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is like i don't know what jesus was trying to tell us to do you know i mean the first christians were like that too apparently it was just something i was reading about recently like essentially like socialist yeah and that's what kind of communes where everyone pooled their resources. And really, that's how theoretically, that's how priests and nuns are living. They're supposed to be. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. They don't make money for themselves. They make it for the church and their their needs are managed and they live a simple life and they're not thinking about lo- making lots of money. Right. Ideally. And then the other thing, I feel so, I, I mean, I guess I knew this, but I didn't know this because he presents as white right Mm -hmm. like but the the inherent racism from many catholics against him 
Mm-hmm. Just as a per- person from Latin America more broadly. Latin America, and as this article I read where it's called AmericanMagazine.org. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar. They're kind of left progressive-ish sometimes. Yeah. So basically, they're like, it's because he comes from what they called the global south. Mm-hmm. And just talking about how northerners want to believe that anyone from the southern hemisphere doesn't know what they're talking about and how they put it that he couldn't possibly be a theologian and he has a lack of theological professionalism in stark contrast to the academic acumen of saint john paul ii and obviously of pope benedict and that's why they consider him inaccurate and having doctrinal errors but because he has a lack of theological professionalism which is like lots of coded racism mm-hmm. this is making me want to like him more i know and i'm like oh i didn't even th- i don't know because like he takes the name francis and i know he's from argentina mm-hmm. but race is complicated in argentina from what i know yeah and again even I, though i don't know much about right it. i just i was like oh god like of course that's why people also hate. <laughs> uh, yeah he's not european right oh uh, yeah again i was like okay kind of feel for the dude a bit so i'm hoping he's like a harbinger of a beginning of something as opposed to i hope this isn't as progressive as the church ever gets but i mean i don't know that it could ever do anything to like make me want to rejoin it no same not in this lifetime not in my lifetime i I don't see it happening we'll have to talk about this because i've been having some conversations about that Mm. lately Hmm. So I do, I mean, I do have friends who I will say, especially like mom friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> who I think politically, we're probably very like-minded and they mm-hmm. do, you know, belong to a parish. And I think oftentimes it's more of a, we do have parishes around us who are considered more progressive or it's understood that there's lots of more progressive leaning parishioners and families. Mm. And, you know, I think like it is, it's a thing that you and I talked about of the tradition of it. And even the Pope sort of is like this figure, right? This just yeah. this comfort in what is familiar. So yeah, on the one hand, I think overall, Francis, he's not progressive enough for me at just a objective level. But am I happy that the Catholic Church is being led in that direction, albeit slowly? I will say yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we need those people, you know, some people are that might be the way that they move in that direction. It's just very slowly and certainly the Catholic Church as an institution. And you know, like we talked about how you can't really ever leave the Catholic Church, which I mm-hmm. find mine, unless I guess you try to shoot the Pope. Don't, I don't recommend that, please. No, no, no. But it's crazy. Like we're having this whole conversation. I like care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'm like, it's not my church. It's not, pl- I'm not planning on it being my church, but like I care. Well, you put in the work. <laughs> I mean, and it's your family is in the church. And also like you put in the work, you went to CCD, you did all the things, sure you learned all the things things it shaped you as a child and you yeah you've earned I think everyone is allowed to have an opinion about a large and powerful institution like the Catholic Church and other institutions like that but also you and I put in the time where we definitely are allowed to have an opinion mm-hmm. that's my feeling thank you I like that yeah I'm like do I what do I wish it was all gone like there's really nice architecture out there I visited have you been uh, to the no. Vatican no have you I went yes you have to cover your shoulders while you're there. Mm, yeah. I, my grandmother never let us wear spaghetti straps to church. Uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's because you can't do this in the Vatican. Yeah. 
I mean, the architecture was incredible. Sure. Um, Churches are beautiful. Beautiful. I, mean, I'm, I just, but I'm like, does this have to exist? Does it have to but so much it's so much so yeah i think my feelings about the pope in general i mean i don't know that it's other religions don't have this sort of figurehead it doesn't feel fully necessary to me it does feel like maybe and i don't this is a good and a bad thing i guess but like it perhaps ends up giving the church more political clout because they have this person who is such a figurehead i mean the episcopal church has like an archbishop named michael curry i believe and i've actually listened to some interviews with him and things and he's pretty progressive and he's great but like i've only heard his name on like niche kind of progressive he's not like a world leader no people don't know him in the same way that they know the pope right i'm like i can go up to my friends of all religions and be like, have you heard of the Pope Francis? And they will all say yes. They'll know. But do I know who's in charge of many other different denominations and religions? Absolutely no, not. No, I don't. I know about the Dalai Lama. I don't even know that much about the Dalai Lama. Good smile. Oh, he's great. <laughs> Love that Dalai Lama. I know. Yeah, even if you're not Catholic at all, never have been, the Catholic Church has been present in some capacity. People know who the Pope is, even if they... Don't know any Catholics. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And we've talked a lot about the Pope. We're going to, I don't even know what we're doing talking about next. <laughs> It'll be surprise. a surprise. We'll see. We're going to, I'm going to say a little Hail Mary right now that this all recorded correctly because we had a snafu in the middle. So. If anyone were, we're going to pass the collection basket. We've had it in our show notes, but I don't think we've mentioned it. Um, talking about some of the damage that the church has inflicted. If people wanted to remedy that by donating, Anne, where could they go? Well, we were talking a lot about how contraception and oh yeah, just general women having bodily autonomy kind of came up. So I was just wondering about good old Planned Parenthood this week. Let's do it. I was wearing my nasty woman shirt yesterday. There we go. A mm-hmm. favorite. Planned Parenthood, please help those who uh, need access. Um, I wouldn't have had a single doctor's appointment in my 20s without them. They are doing amazing work, not just around abortion, as as the conservatives like to say, Mm -hmm. but mostly around lots of other things and mostly giving people uh, contraception. So, in fact... Thank you. I'll put a link for like National Planned Parenthood, but folks can also go ahead and donate to their local Planned Parenthoods, especially if you're in a place where you don't have a lot of them. Mississippi. That's the one that comes off the top of my head. But yes, donate to your local ones if at all possible. Right. And find us on social media, please. Let us know if you have any responses, questions, or if you know something we said incorrectly, (laughs) please let us know. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. I know. We haven't gotten it yet. You got it all wrong. I'm sure if if someone is a theologian or something, they definitely know more than we do. Yes, Lapsed Mm -hmm. Podcast. We're at lapsedpodcast.com, lapsedpodcast at gmail.com, or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Lapsed Podcast. Sweet. Yes. Uh, And also with you, Steph. And also with you, Anne. See you later. (laughs) Bye-bye.